0: John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is the legendary Chris Ryder, old time strongman. How are you doing today, Chris?
1: Doing great. How are you doing today, John?
0: Pretty good. So you're out in uh, Coney Island, is that correct? I've performed out in Coney Island,
2: and I've taken my branding as Coney Island Strongman okay. from joining the
1: history of out there with the different shows and whatnot that we've done. But I'm actually in York, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Not too far from York Barbell.
0: Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> cool. So how did the how did the York uh, thing come about? Uh, or, uh, born I and mean, raised in
1: this area? I mean, uh, Coney Island.
0: Uh, with, Coney Coney I- Island? Did, yeah, how did the Coney Island thing come about?
1: So, I had started training people, and one thing led to another with the training. I was training some guys from New York. Okay. And uh, one of those is Chris Sheck. We started filming a documentary called Bending Steel.
0: Okay. And
1: it coincided with the filming of the movie. I was looking for a place to get Sheck his introduction to uh, commanding the stage. So
2: I thought, what better place to go with Chris Sheck being a New York guy than Coney Island? It's a great
1: historical place. Uh, many of the greats have performed up there throughout history. Uh, Mighty Adam, Warren Lincoln Travis, it's the great Joe Rolino. There's so many wonderful names that have performed up there on their streets and Very in cool. the different facilities. Yeah, it just, it made sense to me to go up there. Mm-hmm brought it back after a many decade hiatus of performing strongman uh, from Coney Island and then we put on in 2011, 2012 and 2013 three really big shows with a
2: cavalcade of performers. Yeah. So we we threw it back to like an old school vaudeville style
1: show where it was just multiple hours long of performer after performer after performer just going on like a tag team kind of show
0: oh wow that's yeah everybody's
1: showcasing what it is that they do best and putting it out there for the audience to have a very good time and be
0: entertained very cool so uh old time strongman um is um not the most popular activity <laughs> for 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 many people um, it's it's a like a subsect of uh a subsect of a subsect of a subsect of the weightlifting community um, so how did you how did you get into all that what what brought this all about
1: so i had originally gotten into fitness training in 2000 where i was very overweight and i wanted to trim up get into shape over the course of one year with a fitness style training regimen i dropped 95 pounds nice went from a thank you went from a very out of shape 315 down to an in shape and
2: feeling very fit 220 went from a 54 waist jean to a 36 waist jean, all in one year's time very cool after dropping
1: down and getting to be what i was considering for myself Skinny and small, even though I was big in a bad way previous, I, I missed
2: being big, and I got introduced to a nationally ranked powerlifter, a fellow by the name of Nico Husslander, and reached out to him. He started
1: writing programs for me, uh, started building up lean mass, uh, that eventually turned into us becoming lifting partners, and doing a lot more of a hybridized bodybuilding, powerlifting type regimen. I was in the gym four days a week, three hours a day, and absolutely loved it. When I had left the commercial gym setting, I was back up to 317 pounds body weight,
0: wearing a 38 waist (laughs) jean. Nice. So I I was big in a much better way this time. Yeah, way better.
1: Yeah, 20-inch uh, arm measurements and 32-inch thigh measurements with a 38 waist. I was, I was <laughs> feeling pretty stacked. Uh, I had left the gym right before the birth of my first child, Okay. which was in December of 2005. Got back into a fitness-style regimen so that instead of being a gym rat, I could be at home raising my daughter. And started shrinking, of course, because I wasn't throwing around the heavy iron anymore and just totally changed up more uh, more aerobic activities, um, more running, more cycling. And although I loved what I was doing in fitness, I missed the intensity that I was finding in the gym. Mm-hmm. Just going for... Uh, PRs and one rep maxes and screaming your head off while trying to rip this iron up off the floor. I I had missed all of that intensity and I had
2: found it again in October of 2006 when a friend of mine had
1: told me that he saw somebody on TV rip a phone book and asked me if I could do it. (laughs) I said, I have no idea. And I, I grabbed the phone book off the shelf and tore it in half the first time I tried. And we're just laughing, looking at this thing, like, all right, that this really just happened. And I grabbed another one and tore that in half. And it let me know that I had something. And that was my start. Oh, nice. Tearing phone books for a few weeks. Loved it. Just from going over to friends' houses and family members.
2: And, hey, where's your phone books at? And just <laughs> <laughs> pulling through yeah. every phone book that I could find. And started doing some
1: more study into it, finding out... Uh, about other feats, feats that I had heard about growing up as a kid. So the small town that I grew up in is Spring Grove, Pennsylvania, which is about 15 minutes outside of York, uh, the great York Fair. York Barbell has it listed in the museum that the Mighty Adam had performed at the York Fair for over 40 years. I grew
2: up hearing stories about that little guy doing all these amazing things. Yeah, basically anybody
1: who was uh, a native to the area or a lifer in my town, they all knew who Adam was. Cool. And then it gets even deeper. <laughs> Aside from Adam, in the same time frame, the same era, there was another fellow by the name of Earl Tatnell, And Earl Tatnall went by the stage name Young Bull Montana, or
2: Bull Tatnell, as a lot of the townspeople called him. He was another relatively small guy. He was about 140 pounds, Mm -hmm. and he was a traveling, performing, fighter, wrestler, and (laughs) strongman. Cool. And he ended up coming to Spring Grove and did a show up on the one hillside, as is what they did back in the the early
1: and mid part of the 1900s. TV wasn't really a thing. You went out and you watched a show. So one of the Young ladies from the town was in attendance. They had locked eyes and become smitten with each other. Next thing you know, uh, they're married and they buy a house in Spring Grove and, and set up their home front there. The young lady that Bull Tattnall had married was best friends with my grandmother.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's, I mean, the, the, the tales of the strongman have been spoken into me from the time that I can remember.
0: Oh, very cool. Between
1: hearing about Bull Taddenal and who literally lived about three blocks away
0: from where I grew up. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know? yeah, so, yeah, I used to go in Annie's house, and I delivered newspapers to her, and go in and
1: go up with grandma and have a visit and yeah just really really cool and then the town also has a very nice display for Earl uh, in the historical society where they have his chest breaking belts and he did a lot of chain breaking and a lot of bending of spikes and some of the things that I saw that were just super cool with him was he had these upper arm leather bands and had them hooked together with jack chain and he would force his arms apart and break the chain in that matter, break the chain around his chest with a chest belt, and then he would also take this strap over his head, around his neck, have a length of chain connected to another leather strap about a foot long that he would stand on, and he would bend over in what looks like just
0: a terrible position (laughs) and stand up
2: and snap the chain with his neck.
0: Oh nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just so cool. <laughs>
0: like some kind of uh cat backed good morning or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it, it was bad. <laughs>
1: but so good.
0: <laughs> that's cool. Well, yeah, sounds like it was uh destiny for this to happen then. I mean you had a lot of uh things corralling you into this uh into this position. So that's yeah, absolutely. Cool. um so have you had any direct um mentors in this, uh, along the way or there's pretty much when I got started, I was taking as much information in from every aspect and every angle that I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first guy that I had really found doing anything was clay Edgen. Okay. And yeah, clay was just an absolute monster. I mean, the man has had a
1: short bend named after him, the edge and bolt. Yeah, it's uh, five sixteenths by seven grade five. Uh, Watching some of the footage of him just nonchalantly folding up red nails like they were twisty ties. Uh, His tearing prowess was absolutely incredible as well. Just uh, a great all around guy. And he's really moved into some other uh, quite notable endeavors. I haven't seen him bending and tearing a whole lot anymore, but he was uh, a huge influence and factor with me getting started. Uh, from there, I found Steve McGranahan, uh, the world's strongest redneck.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, picked some things up from Steve, uh, one of which was the gyro ball, if you're familiar with those.
0: Um, I'm not sure. Okay, so with the gyros... Like a, a DynaFlex. Oh yeah, normal. yeah, yeah. I have one. Yeah. of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the
1: one of the most underutilized tools out there that pays huge dividends, in my
0: opinion. Okay, cool. Uh, I've gotten a lot of great benefits out of these things.
1: From uh, one thing is hub lifting. If you're into some of the grip feats, yeah, this thing is just absolutely wonderful for increasing the the open hand strength with the fingertips for feats like hub lifting. Uh, And then active recovery on it, I also find to be really, really good. Cool. Um, Yep. Uh,
2: From McGranahan, uh, I had come
1: across other individuals out there, uh, like Dennis Rogers, Slim the Hammer Man. um, And then it just... Pretty much in the beginning, that was about it. I was involved on the grip board for a little while. Uh, Some big names hanging out over there, Jed Johnson, David Horn. So watching everybody, trying to take it in as a community aspect. Yeah. And taking as much as I
0: could. Cool. Well, there's a lot of guys... um out there that are just freaky strong. Like you said, like there's like these clay edging guys that'll run around and grab red nails and, you know, turn them into pretzels and stuff. Um, but I've noticed that of all these people um, that, that are, that have that kind of strength and are interested in this, there are very few that are successful uh, with the shows um, very few people are, are, uh, I don't know if it's because they're, maybe they're not taking that route or what, but, um, you really stick out because, uh, you're one of the premier guys that's going around and actually having success with the shows and, um, getting a lot of recognition for this stuff. You just recently, um, was, uh, working with Guinness book on a couple things and all that. Uh, what do you think, what do you think separates, um, some of these people, you know, cause a lot of them have this, the same physical qualities, what do you think's really pushing people up in the showmanship of it? Are you an entertainer at heart? Okay. Do you have the ability to get up in front of people
2: and put on a show,
1: want to be entertaining, uh, share what it is for the people who are watching you as opposed to internalizing it and doing it from a sense of ego are are you on stage for you or you on stage for the audience right what i do here in the basement in the garage out in the driveway i do that for me when i'm rolling the camera or jumping on stage i'm doing that for the audience Cool.
2: so there's a division there and not taking yourself too seriously
1: and knowing that if you're going to be a showman it's a show
0: come on if you want to be an entertainer be entertaining right don't internalize this stuff
1: and try to uh, think somebody's talking smack. the The bottom line is, a third are going to hate you, a third are going to love you, and a third don't care. Right. Well, the first two, you're giving them what they want, and they're making you relevant. Uh, they're making you relevant by <laughs> talking about you. Right. So, haters going to hate, lovers going to love. Put it out there and let everybody do what they want with it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great <laughs> attitude. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, so speaking of Guinness book, what was it like, uh, working with them and, and tell us a little bit about, uh, what, what they were featuring with you. Okay. So I'm, I'm
1: actually working with the parent company, which is Ripley's Believe It or Not. Okay. And I have been extremely fortunate and I'm tremendously grateful to the Ripley's organization, uh, for all of the wonderful attention they've been given what it is that I do, uh, I had my first feature with them, actually, not too long after I got started. A friend of mine had picked up one of the Ripley's books and was flipping through it. And it's was like, hey, I know him. And he calls, me, he calls me up and says, hey, did you know you were in the Ripley's book? I was like, no, nah, I have no idea. And they, they had put a blurb in um, a, a fellow by the name of Walter Cruz had a website years and years back before, <laughs> before the popularity that it's having now, which is still uh, very low-key. But he had a site called strongmanfeets.com, and he had put up several features of me on there, and some one of the Ripley's researchers had found it, and then ended up putting me in that first feature. And you know that felt good. I liked that because I grew up watching the TV show, Yeah, the Ripley's TV show and looking at the cartoons and the comics. And I mean, what what kid wouldn't want to be unbelievable in the eyes of the public doing something considered great? So I always had it in the back of my head that I wanted to do something more with Ripley's, wanted to be a cartoon, wanted to be
0: featured. And I was invited to be in the Mighty Adam documentary. Okay. That just came out. Yeah. And
1: there was a representative from Ripley's also involved in that. And I reached out. One thing led to another. I got directed into the right people within the company. They liked what I was doing. And they gave me a video feature, which was taking a 10-foot steel bar and scrolling it into a butterfly shape. Cool. They... They really liked that with the art side of it. And next thing you know, they had invited me to have a feature in their coffee table art book called Odd as Art. So they gave me a two page spread featuring four of my scrolls in that. Um, I thought, you know, this is great. How about a cartoon? <laughs> so, what do they say if you don't ask? The answer is always no. Right. So. I took my chances, and I asked. Next thing you know, I got a cartoon for penny
2: bending. Oh, nice. With my fingers. Uh, cool. Yeah, that that's just so,
1: so cool. As far as lists of accomplishments accomplishments go,
2: that one ranks really high for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a Ripley's cartoon. Uh, from there, ended up going out with the company to Las Vegas
1: and did another feature for A Century of Strange, which is the... It's the 100-year anniversary for the Ripley's organization. Okay. So it, it's a special book to be able to be featured mm-hmm. in. And they gave me a two-page spread pulling a Lamborghini across the desert in Nevada, strapped into okay. my ponytail. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then with that, that's uh, with promotion of the book and whatnot, I'm getting around doing a lot of different uh, news programs, TV shows and whatnot for the company for promotion work. Cool. And we're working on a few more big features coming up for 2019 that I can't spill the beans on at the moment, but I'm extremely excited. I mean, even cooler than
0: pulling a Lamborghini across the desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's saying something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so if somebody wanted to see um, these features with you and, and Ripley's, uh, what's the best way to uh, take a look at that stuff?
1: Either... Uh, so if you go on the Ripley's Believe It or Not website, rip Ripley's Believe It or Not.com, or the Ripley's Believe It or Not Facebook page, you would have to go through a lot of absolutely amazing content to find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find them a little quicker if you would jump on to my Instagram, which is at Hercules, or on my Facebook, which is Chris Ryder.
0: Okay. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's a lot of people to
1: navigate through those.
0: I think a lot of the people listening would definitely like to see that stuff. That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it was uh, the, the video that Ripley's put out. It's about a three-minute video, and it's it, it's movie quality. They, they spared no expense. Uh, multiple cameras running, drones, whole nine yards.
0: Nice. <laughs> so um, you mentioned your Instagram handle, uh, Hercules. Hercules. Um, and, and anybody that's seen you has seen the, the long hair and the giant beard. <laughs> so, uh, how, how did all that, that come about? I mean, that, obviously that, that sets you apart from other, uh, uh, strong men and stuff. So how, how did you come up with this?
1: So I had started doing uh, the hair feats pretty early on. Uh, first on, I was, <laughs> I was really pushed in that direction by Eric Vining. Uh, Eric Heine is an absolutely incredible steel scroller and just amazing showman. I had seen him at my first Association of Old Time Barbell and Strongman Reunion in 2007. Eric was on the main stage performing, and he just absolutely—you could hear a pin drop while he was doing this thing—and then just wonderful thunderous applause on each one of his feats. He was highly influenced by slim the Hammerman, and so i'm i'm watching all this i'm in the back back row watching eric do his thing i'm standing beside slim and slim's i i see him watching me watch eric and he's standing there and he's got a smirk on his face and he leans over in my ear and he goes what do you think about that boy i said that's going to be me and he just he leaned back and got a great big giant grin and just nodded his head and went back to watching Eric. Nice. And after everything was was over, I had got into it in October of two thousand six. The Strongman Reunion was in June of two thousand seven. I was pushed in the direction of going there by Gary the Brickman Brown. Um, got to meet Gary. Got to meet Tommy Heslop, Pepper Velez, Steve Weiner, Slim the Hammer Man, Stainless Steel, Eric Vining, uh, the Mighty Stefan. All these guys, because you know it's a small community, and they're they're basically all there, or yeah. a, a large percentage of them are there. So I'm on the grip board. I'm snapping framing hammers in half, I'm ripping decks of cards, doing all this stuff, like the first time I try it, and I'm getting all these accolades on the forum. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out in front of the handful of guys that actually do this stuff, and I'm going to see what they tell me. So after the dinner was over, it's about midnight, I go back to the room, and I grab two big boxes of stuff and just come back and set up in the hallway outside of AOVS. And from midnight <laughs> till 3 a.m., it was just an absolute demolition fest.
0: Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> um,
1: and Eric, he, Eric's sitting there on the table, and he's watching, and he's nodding, and he came over, and he's, he's given some good words of encouragement and whatnot. And Eric was aware of me from the Gripboard forum. And that friendship really started to to foster, and he was in my ear about doing hair feeds. He's
0: like, "Man, you got that ponytail. You gotta really let that beard grow out too, because I had I was pretty. Uh, I was like stage
1: three on a trimmer. I was keeping it
0: pretty close cropped. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> it's, it's always been there, but it was pretty short at that point in
1: time. But He's like, hey, yeah, man, you ought to grow that beard out. and you got that hair already. And you got to start doing stuff like Adam. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird. I don't know if I want to be the weird guy. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to be all dignified and whatnot, but <laughs> dignified was waist-length hair and <laughs> ripping phone books and headed <laughs> screwdrivers and whatnot. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, I started thinking about it, uh, was on the phone talking to Dennis sometime later and, uh, Dennis ended up sending me an email with a picture of a guy from right around the turn of the century, early 1900s, who was snapping a jack chain with his neck. It wasn't bull tattnall. I don't know who the fellow was, but it was a very similar setup. To what Bull was using, mm. and he said, "Well, what do you think about what do you think about breaking chain?" I said sounds cool. He said, "Well, here's a picture. Uh, see what you can figure
0: out." And I started making rigs. I've got a background in cabinet making, okay.
1: So I started trying out different things, engineering different platforms and whatnot, and different ways to braid my hair and style my hair. Adam would take interlocking combs. And he would put them into the front of his hair and
2: interlock these combs all together so they couldn't pull out and then wrap a piece of chain around them and pull from the
1: front. I thought, yeah, I don't know if I'd like that. If I pull it out, it's <laughs> it's right there in the front. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what can I do with changing the look up, making it mine? And I came up with uh, taking my ponytail and splitting it into two sections and then Braiding the two sections, bringing it around my neck, and then braiding that into an aircraft cable with a loop on each end. Okay. Basically giving myself a necktie. Yeah, yeah. And then I can always uh, continue to present to the audience face first. They can see what I'm doing. I can see the audiences. I'm breaking a chain or whatnot. Because I wanted to do it off the ponytail pulled back, but I, didn't, I don't really like to turn my back on the audience. I, I try to make it a point to always engage straight on with yeah. whenever I'm up on stage. There's a few exceptions to that. Like if you're tearing a deck of cards behind your back or something along those lines, but yeah, the the more engagement that you can have face on, the better I found. Very cool. So yeah, started, started doing that and I'm going from Chris Ryder to strongman Chris Ryder to, you know, I'm not getting a whole lot of traction. This is all pretty, uh, Pretty normal sounding. So let's get something that stands out in people's minds. Let's let's get a superhero name without throwing something
2: in there with mighty this or super that. Mm-hmm. Well, who's one of the most prolific strong men in history? Hercules. Right. You hear Hercules, and what do you think? Giant muscles and strong. Yeah. Well. I got the long hair, so why not
1: Hair Achilles?
0: <laughs> there you go. It, it's
1: it's silly <laughs> enough. And, yeah, it's silly enough to be
2: fun, but it sticks. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something easy to remember and sets me apart. How many times have you seen somebody do something really cool, but you didn't catch their name or didn't remember their name? Oh, I saw this guy. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So uh-huh, let's
1: give something easy to remember, something that's going to stand out. Yeah, I mean, I already got uh, waist length red hair and a big beard that used to all be red. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the gray of wisdom has come in that, so I'm told. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so when you first started doing um, hair feats, was this was this one of those things? Because you mentioned earlier that you know, the first time you grabbed a phone book, you did it. And like a lot of stuff was just kind of came natural. Um, was the hair stuff pretty natural or, or was that frustrating or?
1: The hair stuff was natural. All of it's been very natural for me. Um, it's, it's just about getting through the the pain, having the determination to gut it out through the pain. Yeah.
2: Um, plus I've got a, a little thing that's always spurring me on so i started
1: getting involved in fitness in 2000 in 2002 i was diagnosed with degenerative disc disease of the spine from the base of my skull to my tailbone okay and i had severely herniated l4 l5 and l5 s1 on the verge of rupture they told me at the diagnosis that they wanted to do surgery within a week immediate injections and this and that the next thing prescriptions and all this stuff I turned it all down. The orthopedic surgeon laughed in my face and basically told me that I'll be back when I can't take the pain and I'll never lift again. Six weeks later, I was back in the gym lifting, and turned down all the surgeries, all the drugs, and just got back at it. Yeah. So that, that kind of thing continues to push me on 16 <laughs> years later.
0: Very cool. Um, how is yeah. the uh, degenerative um, disc stuff going? Have you... Done any follow ups on that or anything?
1: Uh, I do a lot of chiropractic care. Okay. I am a huge supporter of chiropractic and inversion training. Um, I personally use a teeter hang ups. That thing is great. I have been as large as 365 pounds, and that teeter just takes it cool. full free hang by the ankles on that inversion table. It's uh, the thing's great. Another thing that was paramount during my recovery is um, reverse hyper, yeah, um, west side table, yeah, yeah, absolutely wonderful piece of equipment that
0: is. Yeah, I think it's um, and, and it's coming much more popular in the lifting community, but I think um, self care in these. Uh, the cheaper alternatives to going to the doctor every time something happens is, is a is a big thing now. You know, um, like you said, you have the reverse hyper. Um, finding a good chiropractor, I mean, that's that's a priceless uh, thing to have. I mean, that can I've heard many stories where a chiropractor saved a career, and um, it's always cheaper and faster, and, and in my opinion, usually more efficient than going to the to the doctor. The doctor seems to always have bad news. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Donnie Thompson's a guy, he's doing a lot of the body tempering stuff and he seems to put out a lot of information on, uh, you know, coming back from injury, preventing injury, and just, you know, taking care of yourself. I think it's super important. I'm always interested to hear what other people are, are, uh, doing to do all that, you know, especially if you want to have any kind of longevity in the sport, it's a big deal. So do you have any other, uh, secrets other than, Chiropractors and and hanging upside down? (laughs) Uh, Strengthen up the system. Strengthen everything from every angle. Um, I am a huge supporter also of resistance training with bands and
1: cables. Okay. Because they're hitting things from different angles. Um, Pulling something in a linear plane on a balanced bar is awesome for doing... What that activity is, but when you can work your body in odd positions that you're gonna find yourself in in real life, like oh, I gotta reach over here and grab this thing yeah. that's four foot beside me, so I'm leaning over, I'm outreaching, I'm stretching, I'm twisting, I'm turning. So how can we strengthen up just to handle everyday life type situations? Yeah, and yeah, I like a lot of the resistance bands. And cables for that kind of work. It's because you can. They're pulling on you. It's not just overcoming gravity. It's pulling at you from every angle and all kinds of different planes and hitting the support structures differently. And then a lot of core work. If if you're, if what I found was having problems with the back, the number one way to for me to fix my back from having a lot more issues was to strengthen the core. The whole way around. Yeah. Abs, obliques, and then all of the the back muscles as well. Just
2: give yourself a, a good, solid pillar of support. But yeah. ab work, I, I find ab work gets neglected by a lot of people. Mm. And the ab is,
1: uh, it, it's pulling, if you have weak abs and a strong back, well some you're out of balance you wouldn't do bicep curls without doing tricep work would you
0: right <laughs> 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 yeah for sure um <clears throat> so uh let's change gears and talk about um your power days for a minute um did you did you go on and do competitions in powerlifting?
1: i did not compete on the platform uh I did a lot of the behind the scenes support Mm -hmm. for me. My lifting was never about jumping up on the platform and doing it. I was, it was very internalized and personal for me fighting the bar. Um, Never, never really had any kind of desire to chase trophies with that, Uh, but just loved being in the environment and, and being around the supportive nature of those communities. Um,
2: yeah. the fellow that my coach in powerlifting, Nico, he was, I don't recall his exact numbers. I know he held the Pennsylvania state deadlift record for quite a while. Uh, pulling. I've watched the man pull well over seven in running shorts <laughs> at the end of a chest workout. With no warm up. <laughs> um, also watched
1: him squat eight and bench over six in USAPL, so IPF oh. rules.
0: Cool. Yeah. So, is this, well, this was raw? He, he, you guys did that? Uh... Uh, uh,
1: I've, I've seen him do a lot of raw lifting as well as single ply.
0: Okay. But what did you what did you personally do? Were you doing a uh, single ply or raw or a mix? Or... I was just
1: I was just lifting raw. Yeah. I had he had tried to get me to to try out some different suits and shirts and whatnot, and I just I, I didn't like it. Yeah. It wasn't for me. Cool. Yeah. Menshen <laughs> never really was my thing anyway. With so I just I didn't gravitate toward that
2: one. Yeah.
1: Uh, but I really liked doing squats and deadlifts because of
2: more just getting through the whole backer in- injury thing. Yeah. And, yeah, you tell me I can't do it, so that
0: just makes me push harder. <laughs> yeah. so, so you've done a lot um, of different things. Um, you know, you, you, like you said, you did uh, your basic fitness stuff and then some power lifting and then back to some fitness and then um, grip-type stuff and old-time strongman. So what, is, um, what does your training look like now? Or Do you still do any kind of um, the powerlifting stuff? Do you run it all still? Um, how do you mix it together, or do you?
1: Uh, it's Basically, my training is dictated by what I'm feeling at the time, um, what I want to do. Okay. Uh, last year, I did an 80-day, one-meal-a-day fast program. In the middle of that program, I did uh, 30 consecutive days of sprints and 28 consecutive days of coin bending until my hands were just like hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As for now, it's it's wind sprints. I, I like doing the wind sprints. It's typically six cycles, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off after a quarter mile warm up. And then a quarter mile cool down. And I have an inversion. It's uh, an inversion trainer for a treadmill that goes up to a 40 degree incline. Yeah. So at the end of my sprints, I'll run it up to 40 degrees and I'll do 30 seconds at 40, 30 seconds at 35, 30 seconds at 30. And I just walk it down in five degree increments. Back down to a 5% incline. And then I spin around and go backwards at a 5% incline for about four minutes. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds kind of weird, but it works.
0: Yeah. It's working for me anyway. Cool. Uh, I feel real good doing it. And for me anymore, with getting on stage and speaking, I do corporate events and talk to schools and whatnot. I need to be able to jump out. And do a feet, take a couple breaths, and
1: bam, get right back into talking. Yeah. Uh, a Good example of that just happened up in Canada two weeks ago. I was up doing a TV show, CP24, I believe it was in. I'm trying to remember what what town I was even in, what city. Uh. Anyway, they had me do a vehicle pool. I was pulling an SUV with my ponytail. On wet roads, out in the drizzle, and is get into that, do the feet, and immediately, at when I stopped, they're doing an interview on live TV. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, so you pretty much, you got to be able to, for me, or being a performer, you got to jump out, do your thing, (sighs)
0: reset, and bam, right back into giving a coherent talk. Nobody yeah. well, wants to hear you huffing a puff and it's
1: like you're breathing in a bag or something.
0: That reminds <laughs> me of uh, World's Strongest Man. They would do that to those guys all the time. They would, <laughs> And you don't know what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a 30 second pull or even a 20, 20 second, 30 second pull of a
1: car with your ponytail with everything locked in and just basically jogging with this thing down the road. And then, oh, hey, let me ask you a few questions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mentioned we're on live TV. <laughs>
0: I've seen um, you a few times do, do feats, um, I think mostly, mostly card tearing, uh, while you were on the treadmill running. I thought that was, uh, that was a pretty cool thing. Thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm constantly looking for ways to make the feats more
1: difficult for myself mm-hmm. so that I can put out not only expand my abilities and become better personally, but also be able to deliver a better show. So I thought, hmm, let's see if, uh, let's see if I can do it while I'm challenging my
2: cardio to start with. Yeah. And, Jump on a treadmill sometime and
1: try to just deliver an eloquent few statements Yeah, (laughs) and and see how that goes and then add the other uh, variable in of doing a feat and trying to have that concentration. But I've done a lot of my feats actually on the treadmill from tearing cards, license plates, and phone books to driving nails through boards to bending 70 penny spikes and yeah, all kinds of different things.
0: I don't think I can give an eloquent speech off of the treadmill, so we gotta <laughs> we gotta work on that first. And then <laughs> uh, no, that's good stuff, though. Yeah, I've definitely seen a few videos of you doing that. I always thought it was interesting, and uh, what what the what the thought process behind that was, and that that all makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> being able to talk, uh, you know. Dur-, dur, before, during, and after that kind of exertion, it's a uh, three different kind of things there, and, and I can see where you definitely need to be able to do that. So yeah, and
1: being a larger guy, it's, I mean,
2: the the cardio can drop off rapidly. Like right now, I'm walking around at two seventy five. Mm-hmm.
1: So if I don't stay on top of my cardio, it can it can slip quick. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: you <Yeah, laughs> don't need a-
1: that when you're getting called up to go do a tour.
0: Yeah. And and how how tall are you?
1: Um, It depends on the day. (laughs) 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 My back is just uh, so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) So, depending on the time of day, the day in general, and... How long it's been since I was at the chiropractor on the inversion table. Okay. <laughs> I will measure anywhere between one and 6'4.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, anyway you cut it, that's a big dude. 6'1, 6'1 to 6'4 at 275, That's that's pretty sizable. <laughs> it's so funny looking back at pictures over the years and whatnot. So,
1: slim the hammer, man. Slim is uh, slim's a rather tall individual. Yeah, and I've got photos where it looks like I'm an inch shorter than Slim, and I got photos where it looks like <laughs> I've walked into the land of the giants.
2: <laughs> it, it's just it's so weird how that all works, but the it I really find it so important with. Uh, with the chiropractic care and the inversion just
1: as we're doing everyday life just pounding gravity's pulling against us all day every day and then you start adding the compression of weights and training and whatnot and the fluids coming out of the soft tissue in the spine and
0: is your hydration right right and then also are you allowing everything to decompress pull back out apart uh, another thing that I found,
1: uh, a buddy of mine told me about these two years ago. I ended up picking one up in March of 17, right before I went to Australia to perform for Schwarzenegger. Uh, purple mattress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That thing's absolutely incredible. Feels like you're floating on it. It has knocked out about 80% of my hip and low back pain. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. it's good stuff. I hear that they're actually carrying those in brick and mortar bedding stores now too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. if any of the listeners are having some issues with uh, some joint discomfort and not noticing relief when you wake up in the morning, get purple with a shot. They give you like a hundred day, and I'm not sponsored by them or anything. This is just straight up. I've had wonderful results with it. Uh, they give you a hundred day in home trial, yeah. And if you don't like it, they come get it.
0: Yeah, it's, I can actually uh, uh, vouch for that. I have a very similar product that uh, that I bought. Um, it's one of their competitors, and uh, it it makes a huge difference. You you'd be surprised how much just a good a good mat you can't you can't even tell somebody how how much <laughs> or, like you have to experience it. And um, and then we got the um, the purple bed uh, bed frame. And, uh, that thing's awesome too. I think it holds like 1500 pounds or something. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a beast. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that makes a huge, huge difference, you know, but that comes back to the self care. You gotta, you gotta be on top of it. If, if you're going to beat yourself up in the gym, you're going to have to spend some time doing the opposite, uh, at some point in your day, you know, Yeah. <clears throat> um, So uh, you've written some books lately.
1: Yes. I'm doing a lot of coaching, and I absolutely love the coaching. And I was having a conversation with Richard Soren, and I said, Pops, can you give me any business advice? And he smiled, and he said, yep, there's only one of you, and you've only got 24 hours a day. (laughs) okay can you elaborate on that a little bit for me he said sure
2: find a way to reach as many people and benefit as many people as you possibly can without it being dependent on your every minute yeah
1: that turns into books and videos
0: yeah for sure for
1: me so uh, Mike Gillette Familiar with Mike? Yeah. Yeah, Mike Gillette has been after me for years and years to put out some instructional material in book form or DVD form, and I was hesitant to it. I didn't want to jump the gun, put stuff out too early, or whatnot. Uh, I've been in this now for 12 years, and it, it felt right. Cool. So. Yep, I, I started off with my Classic Feats of Strength series uh, with Volume 1's card tearing and Volume 2, which just came out, is on horseshoe, twisting horseshoes, as the title calls. Cool. Um, very, I, I wrote the book that I would have wanted to buy is, is how I went about doing this. So, like the, the horseshoe book, and the listeners are listening, but we're on a video call here so you can see <laughs> yeah. some of the detail that i put in. Like, this is one of the innovations that I've, I came up with for this book. So I was thinking, how can I effectively communicate where to put a horseshoe in your hand? Because right. an eighth of an inch shift this way, a quarter of an inch shift that way, Well, how can I get that to come across to the reader. So I came up with uh, a little bit of a different system for showing the pictures.
0: Yeah. You kind of graphed out the, uh, kind of do a grid on the hand and, uh, reference points. Yeah. Yeah. And then
1: back with the photos, shooting the photos in different series of in those graphed out areas. And then also, barehanded so you can see what it looks like from multiple angles yeah yeah. and there's a lot of the the photo series and sequences that i put in the books i had shot over my shoulder yeah so as the readers looking at the book i I printed my books on eight and a half by 11 format so they're very large they open up nicely and stay put on a table as you're looking at the photo sequence it's like looking at your hands Right. Cause I had the photos shot from over my shoulder. So what you're seeing in the book is what you should be seeing in your hand placement as well. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to looking at something head on mm-hmm. and then trying to replicate it from a different perspective.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's uh good thinking. Uh, you know, especially with this hand stuff, you know, there's some, there's so much to the hand and, um, so much dexterity to the hand. And then usually these items, I mean, a horseshoe looks fairly large when it's on a table by itself, but a lot of it disappears when it's in the hand. So I can see where you would need to be innovative with your, uh, you know, taking the pictures and all that. And and, uh, just to convey the message across, Um, especially the deck of cards, the whole thing disappears into the, hand, you know, unless you have really small hands, but you, you know, just the corner is visible you know so that's pretty cool if um, if anybody wanted to pick up one of these books where would where's the best place to get these <clears throat>
1: so i am published through kindle direct publishing okay which is amazon yeah and if you go into amazon.com and either search for a classic feats of strength book or
0: my author name chris hercules Ryder, cool they will they should pop right up for you Cool. Is that available? Um, obviously, that's, that you can get the physical copy, and is there also an ebook?
1: I I have not made them available in an ebook format. Uh, like I like I said, I I wrote these for what I would have wanted to receive. Yeah. And I always did better with hard copy.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm still I'm still a caveman. I want the. Uh, I want the physical book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, So you also do online coaching. Yes. Uh, That's actually video calls, right? So they would actually be working with you, um, you know, in in uh, the best capacity other than being right there beside you, right? So it's it's all done through Skype or some other um, video uh, program. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit about that and how to contact you if uh, someone would be interested
1: so with the with the Skype coaching, the, the long distance coaching as I call it um, just send me an email or send me a private message through my Instagram or my Facebook account uh, you can send email to Chris at com, okay. and we can talk about what your goals are, what your background is and how to proceed with getting started very cool. There's no quantifiers that I'm looking for for somebody to get involved. And I'll use this little reference to get started. Uh, think about a deck of cards. So here's a question series for somebody new. Do you think you can tear a deck of cards? Well, most of the time, what do you think the answer would be? No. <laughs> okay. That, that's typically what I hear. How and then I come back with, can
2: you tear three suits, three quarters of a deck? Probably not. Right. Half a deck. Most of the time is still a no, a single suit. Then I start getting the positive responses of yes. Yeah. Okay. So we started
1: a single suit, which is 13 cards. There's 52 in okay. a deck. Mm-hmm. If we take a
0: single suit and we add one card a week in nine months, we're at a full deck. Right.
1: Progression is progression, whether it's a deck of cards, whether it's a phone book, or whether it's the five pounds or the one twenties in the dumbbell rack. Progression's progression. Yeah. We find the starting point, we learn the techniques to properly
0: apply the strength that you have at the moment, and when that gets smooth and solidified, then we start building strength. Cool. It's yeah. it's the same basic blueprint
1: for all training.
0: Yeah, Just that's modality. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that, the, a lot of the old time stuff. That's what it is. It's figuring out how to get to where you can do it, and then progressing. And it's not as simple as, well, I'll throw some two pound plates on. You know, <laughs> you, know, you got to get pretty, uh, pretty creative with it. And uh, I think that's why a lot of the old time guys have mentors and stuff. You know, because it's it's not as obvious, and 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 you need uh, somebody like you or to to coach and and say hey this is how you start and this is how you finish and all that so I think it's very important if if you want to get into this sort of stuff you need um, to find a a mentor and um, and obviously Chris Ryder is more than qualified so um, contact him and I'll put links up when I release this podcast um, here in a couple weeks I'll put links to your website and your Facebook and stuff so they can get a hold of you thank you Cool. Well, I think we're about out of time here. Um, I want to thank you very much uh, for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I've been a big fan for a long time, so this is a, a big pleasure to have you on here. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to, to announce it.
2: <laughs> so, awesome, awesome.
0: Yeah, well, thanks a lot. Um, this has been John the Viking Mauser with Chris Hercules Ryder. Get strong or die.